This episode is sponsored by Grizz Targets and Archery, hands down the best targets made right here in Alberta. I'm very thankful to have partnered with these amazing guys putting out high quality products. Their targets range in all sizes. The Backpacker is their most portable target, great for checking your sights while you're in the backcountry to make sure your arrow is still flying true. This thinner 12 inch by 12 inch target can double as a seat or a flat surface when cooking. Multi-purpose like that is essential when packing light. When you want to have some fun testing your skills at long distances, the Kodiak makes for the perfect target. It boasts a massive 48 inch by 48 inch surface to assure you that you won't be digging in the grass for your arrows. It's also great for when your buddies and you want to shoot together without having to take turns. Grizz makes quality targets affordable with options for interchangeable cells that keep you from needing to buy an entirely new target when the bullseye gets worn. They also have options for frames and stands and targets for field points and broadheads. You want a target that's as tough as you? Get Grizzly Tough with Grizz Targets and Archery. Be sure to check them out at grizztargetsarchery.ca. This episode is sponsored by CND Archery. CND is Alberta owned and operated, offering two pro shops in Rosalind and Malay. Owners Corey and Doug have more than 25 years of combined knowledge and experience to get you set up properly and to maintain your gear for years to come. CND Archery is Canada's only distributor of expedition bows. They carry tons of great gear that you won't find anywhere else. Corey and Doug support local by carrying many Alberta-made products from arrows to accessories. Get in touch with the guys on Facebook or Instagram today at CND Archery to set up your visit. This episode of Alberta Wildlife Stories is sponsored by Slayer Calls. Bill Ayer, CEO and founder of Slayer, puts in immense workmanship and quality control into every one of his calls. Not one of his products makes it into your hands without first meeting his high standards. Slayer currently makes calls for waterfowl, elk, and turkey. Their double reed duck calls boast superior craftsmanship and award-winning performance with wildly loud sound. They have a full range of elk reeds, custom bugle tubes, and in my opinion, the best push-button elk call on the market, known as the Enchantress. This push-button call allows you to get a variety of noises, from great cow sounds to estrus buzzes and big location bugles when paired with the swagger tube. Slayer makes many other products, from goose calls and turkey reeds to lanyards, bags, and gear. They even have online courses to get you calling like a pro. Check out everything they have to offer at slayercalls.com and call the wild. Welcome to another episode of Alberta Wildlife Stories. Joining me today is Tanner Ferguson and Jared Levitt, also known as Cutthroat Cowboys. Both Tanner and Jared were born and raised in Cardston, Alberta, just north of the Montana border. Both have fished for the majority of their lives since they were kids. Nowadays, they put out some of my favorite fly fishing content in Alberta. These boys are no stranger to hunting as well, each with their own Western big game successes. I've been looking forward to this chat for quite some time. Tanner, Jared, thanks for coming on. How are you guys doing? We're good. How are you? <laughs> doing good man so uh let's start so this is the first podcast with two guests um let's just hear tanner just hear your voice for a minute yeah so i'm tanner i was born and raised in the prairies in the mountains and i enjoy fishing and getting outside and i've been fishing for a long time okay and then jared yeah and so i'm pretty well the same thing um this is my voice so you know throughout the podcast this is who i am awesome thank you 
So uh, I wanted to start with the love story for sure. Um, How did you guys meet? So you grew up in the same town. You guys know each other as kids or? So Jared, Jared's a couple years older than me. I actually don't even know what year you, you graduated, but he literally lived like I could throw a baseball through his bedroom window. And like, and he like, didn't know what my bedroom window was. <laughs> <laughs> and like our parents, like they would play cards together and like rook, right? Just kind of the classic, right? Stuff you do, I guess, in small towns. And I, I don't know. It's like we always knew each other. And I remember him riding his bike by, right? And I thought he was cool at the time, but looking back now, maybe not so much. But yeah, I'd say after. We kind of got hooked up again in college and we were older. And I, I think once you get a certain age, I don't think it, I don't know. You can hang out with almost anyone. You know what I mean? I think I get what you're saying. Like, you know, you, you probably didn't want to hang out with the kid three years younger than you when you're, you know, in junior high, high school, whatever. Yeah. And he, he was, you know, he was a smaller kid and, you know, I didn't really want to hang out with a smaller kid too, too much. So I kind of kept my distance from him. Just because I was a little scared of him, I think, that he would try and fight me or something just to prove his point. And like a small dog, right? The, the little dog syndrome. <laughs> just kidding. I'll take you out right now. <laughs> but one thing that we did, so when we got back together, um, I had uh, I had just come back for from school for the summer. And, and we kind of got, he was hanging out with some of my old friends. And so we started hanging out a bunch. And then I got him into shooting coyotes. I had a, I had a Fox pro. And so I'm like, let's go shoot some coyotes. And he didn't have a 22, 250. So we actually ended up taking my dad's, my dad had an old Remington, like a 1970s Remington that was an open site. And like Tanner says, I, there's no way I can shoot this. You got to find a scope. So I think I took a scope off of my old 22, like my Ruger and I threw it on there. And so that's what we had when we went out. And so the first time we went out, we go up by one of his buddies and, Turn the Fox Pro on and no joke, like two minutes, there's two dogs that are coming in hot. And, <laughs> and I had just bought a new 223, like a Savage Axis. You know, I was just out of high school. I didn't have a ton of money. So I bought the cheapest gun I could find, which was the Savage Axis. And and uh, and the 223 again, just because the, the bullets were cheap, right? So that's what I decided to do. So we're, these coyotes are coming in hot and Tanner's just losing his mind. Like, this is unbelievable that's happening. And so I, because I spot him, the rule is who spots him, that's who shoots him. So I spotted him. And so I shoot and I just completely miss. Like, it was such a bad miss. And then Tanner shoots and, and I think, did you end up getting yeah, it? Yeah, we, we got it. So it was a big bagged, dog. Yeah, so Tanner bagged that dog and he was sold on the Fox Pro from that moment. And then he kept going out. But like, my 223... Um, I think my scope was broken, and so it was constantly off. So I'd shoot and I'd miss, and Tanner would be so frustrated. So finally, it was just like, Tanner, you got to shoot these dogs. But I mean, <laughs> I don't know if you saw the video. That's that's definitely changed. The one video we threw out last winter when I got that, we called that dog in to about 200 yards, and then we just dropped him. But we've moved on from the fox pro. We now use the lucky duck, and it's it's pretty awesome. But that was kind of that was like the start of the of the love story so to say so to say we actually interestingly enough after that like at this time coyotes you could get like 120 if not maybe even 150 bucks like a coyote pelt yeah so we were like we were like shooting so many coyotes and then like we went and got our trapping licenses like we were like hardcore we were like watching mountain man on history channel we're like we're tom <laughs> or like 
Not, was the best. He still is. He's like the goat of mountain men. And we just were obsessed with getting coyotes. Like I think, and I remember the first time we pelt skinned it or sock skinned it or whatever, we were like, there's like fleas everywhere. And like, we're like gagging. And anyways, (laughs) like, you know, like I've deer and stuff, like a young age or like beef cattle, like that's one thing, but like a coyote is next level, man. Like they're gross. Yeah, man. I don't know if you've seen that video. Some guys, like, I think that was uh, Remy Warren and Steven Rinella. They just like, straight roasted one fur on and everything and cooked it and ate it it's like such a hard video to even watch like they don't even yeah <laughs> there's no way i could watch that video oh and they're like yeah it's not bad it tastes good i'm like dude that's like no yeah. it's rough so when you guys are running the fox pro or even what you're running now i haven't i didn't see that video but are you uh using like any sort of like spinning whirly bird decoy kind of thing like you see yeah, so on the Lucky Duck, on the Lucky Duck that I have, it has an attachment that you can throw on on the top. Yeah. Um, so I've used them both. The biggest thing that I've found about shooting dogs and shooting coyotes, I should say shooting coyotes, just so yeah. people don't think I'm actually <laughs> shooting dogs. Um, but so when you're shooting coyotes, the biggest thing is is your entrance to your spot. So like when you're going in, you have got to be on top and you got to be on guard of just searching everywhere, looking through your binos and making sure you're not spotting any coyotes that are out there. Because that's mm-hmm. honestly that's about seventy-five to eighty-five percent of your. Well, you can get busted before you even. Well, sit that's down. the thing, and so you don't. Sometimes you don't even know that you've been spotted by a coyote. But then when you do know, is I've done it long enough now that I can tell by their barks. Like they've got a warning bark that they'll throw out, and so as soon as yeah. they throw that warning bark out, then I completely change the way that I I call that stand. And so then as soon as they throw that warning bark out, then I'll switch to a you know like a challenge bark of some sort, and and then that way. Yeah, so then that way I can try to bring them in on the challenge. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes they're just throwing that warning bark and and they leave, right? And then, so, I mean, I've gone back and forth. There's been stands that I've waited, that I've waited quite a while on. And then it's it's really, you know, it's worked out great. But if I'm not seeing a coyote coming in, and on most stands I have, you know, I have quite the range that I'm looking. If we're not seeing a coyote coming in in 15 minutes, then we're up and moving. But... Mm -hmm. But down here, those coyotes are hunted so hard and they're pressured so hard that what will happen is you can call for 15 minutes. And I've done some research and the big alpha will actually come in about 24 hours later and then just do a round of where you were calling and sniffing stuff, which wow. is actually pretty interesting. They're super duper smart animals. But so a lot of times when you're getting them, you're, you're, you know, you're usually getting those younger, younger coyotes and. And every now and again, just if you've got you found luck, got lucky enough to find a spot that they haven't been called or they haven't heard that certain call or that call sequence, then you may get lucky enough to to bag a nice big coyote, which is mm. that's always that's always super fun. Yeah, that's cool, man. From my experience, I have like a Ditson collar. It's like a cheaper. It's not a, a Fox Pro either or anything, but it's worked out okay for me. But uh, it's just interesting to hear your call pattern for sure because. I've always just been kind of like, oh, I don't know. We'll hit them with like uh, some sort of like jackrabbit in distress or something and hope for the best. And I've had them come running in, sure. But there's been times where, yeah, it's like, like you say, like if you don't, it seems like that a lot more. Or if you don't see something in 15 minutes, it's just get up and move. And yeah. Yeah. And they'll, they'll hang out there. Sorry, Tanner. They'll hang out there like a ways, right? And so there was one, one of my favorite ones that I got was there was this one that was way up in closer to Waterton area. 
um, where the pelts are just better. They're thicker, they're heavier, right? And so um, they're not in these big stubble fields. So out, out this way, kind of towards McGrath and that way, the pelts actually get a little bit worse because they're running through stubble fields. They're, you know, the stubble fields of canola. And Tanner can speak to those. Some of those canola stalks are big and thick and heavy, right? And so they're, yeah. they're just ripping off fur from these, these coyotes all the time. And that, that affects the pelt and then the cost of the pelt, right? And so they grade the pelt. That's kind of how you get your money and everything that way. But so they, we were up in this one and we saw this coyote probably out 2K on the lake. And I tried, you know, I tried kind of going to rabbit distress, jack distress. And then it was kind of getting into the heat um, where they're going into heat. The lady females are going into heat. So I tried that and I kind of got him in a little bit. There was two dogs that were there. So I kind of got him in a bit, but then he wasn't coming in. He was kind of hanging out at about 700 yards. And I kept thinking like, okay, what the heck could I do to get this guy in? And then the area we're in, there's lots of voles, like lots of voles, moles, people call them those types of different things, right? You see those all over the ground. Yeah. Um, anyways, and so I turned on the bull squeaks and that guy just came in on a string. And so he came Crazy. into about 110 yards and then I just gave him a little yip and he stopped and, and I was able to bag that coyote and he was my biggest one. So the way they do it is they measure from like the base of the tail to the tip of the nose. Mm -hmm. And so he was, after I had skinned him and, and, you know, dried him everything, he was 52 inches, which, which is a pretty big, big oh, coyote. Yeah. So and he was he was one that i'm actually kind of a little upset that i sold i i should have probably just tanned him and kept yeah. him because he was he had this like sheen to him really nice oh it was just he was a beautiful coyote like super nice should have got a full mount i don't even know anyone that has a full mounted coyote <laughs> I, I think you just see him every you see him at like a bell and stuff you see like the but yeah, I don't know if it's worth ever doing it for the price, but I don't but know. We were, to go back to kind of your original question, like we were deep into doing coyotes. We had we had probably 30 of them. Yeah. And then I, I ended up going, so I got I went to the U of A in Edmonton. Oh, nice. uh, I did a my bachelor's of science there in, in agriculture. Uh, I work in the yeah. ag sector. I'm an agronomist essentially. Wow. And we kind of just parted our ways for about, I don't know, five, six years. And then I got a job back here in McGrath. So me, I, I'm married. I've got three kids. So we've ended up moving back to McGrath and got a job. And then me and Jared just kind of picked up where we left off. And then, yeah, then we kind of got in the fly fishing and, and it just, yeah, it blew up and it took over our lives. And that's all we do now. Man, that's so cool. That's really wild to, yeah, move away, do the school, and get back and marry. Congrats on the, yeah, the family. That's really cool, too. Um, and then, so then, Jared, you just went into teaching then after school? Like, while he was doing that, you were staying yeah, in Cardston and got into teaching? Went. No, yeah. So I, I, was in, I was in school already kind of when, um, when he left. I remember going to his, um, his uh, reception. And then saying, you know, congrats and everything when he was at his, when he had just got married. And then, so he was around for about a year. Well, there was another, what? I, can't, I can't remember how long you were married after when you, so he was, there's this little lake um, called oh, Romero Lake that uh, we go fish at. Just, that's where we, you know, if you wanted to go and catch some fish, you'd go out to the Used lake. to be able to. Yeah. yeah it was a true. secret spot, but everyone, <laughs> that's why, who cares? And, uh, and so we'd go and catch pike there. Just, you know, just nice pike, 20 inch you know, 24 inch pike, 25, 26. If you're getting lucky, getting some bigger ones. Um, so we're out there fishing. I'm taking my family and, and I hadn't even seen, I hadn't seen Tanner for a while. 
And then, so we're walking around the one side and there's Tanner and he had just caught a fish, but he was trying to unhook this I, fish. I had that mouse. <laughs> I had that mouse with the six treble hooks on it that floats. <laughs> yeah. And I just caught this like stupid small pike. Like it was one of those ones that's like, you look, you show your friends, you're like, look at this little, like you could use it as bait. Just like yeah, all the stupid. Anyway, so I'm, I'm like trying to get this hook out and he does this wicked head shake and the mouse i feel it graze my like the top of my hand and next thing you know i've got six hooks in my in my hand in my hand and it's still it's still thrashing around and they're just like i'm like i'm at the point of no return and i got six some are through the skin some are past the barb anyway so someone actually ended up running over there with a pocket knife and it, you know dispatched the pike and then i and and we were i was my we were just dating at the time my now wife and, and yeah. i had a little honda civic and she couldn't drive a standard right. so i drove home with this friggin mouse like dangling off my hand the whole way home i'm like what do you just drive it like just put pop the clutch and she's like no no i can't i'm not driving it so i drove all the way to Carston. <laughs> And then they had to get like these titanium, like surgical plier things to like. So I had to poke every hook through my the skin, and then no yeah, nip it off. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't really. It's kind of like elbow skin there. Yeah, it doesn't really hurt, but it was more so the visual. Like I got an entire hook in my hand right now. Yeah. So like, I there's no pulling that back out the barbed way. That's too much damage. It's you know, there's no, no these, that these knife and... like I don't even know. Like they're big. They're like if you went to the hardware store and looked at your or outdoor store, and looked at just kind of your average big Len Thompson spoon, like that's how big the trebles were. Like it wasn't like a little fly. Like it's you yeah, know, it would do some damage to your hand pulling that back out. Or like catching a, a vein or something, like Ooh, yeah. No, yeah. I wasn't about to just re- yank it out with pliers. That's I just pushed it through, nipped off each barb, and then pulled it out. Was your dad there? Because your dad's a nurse. Yeah, my dad's a nurse, so it, it worked out. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good, at least. That's funny. So then at that time, you guys were just about to start getting into fly fishing together? So I, when I was first married, we went down to Montana, and my dad got a place down there. So this would have been, this was before I went to Edmonton. This was a couple of years before. Me okay. and Jared were probably at, this is probably like the middle when we're like doing like the coyote thing. And I went to Cabela's, right, as always. And I saw, and I always wanted to get into fly fishing. Yeah. Like I, I had, I remember like, and Jared has the same story. Like our parents would drop us off at like the, almost the headwaters of Beezer Lake or Beezer Creek or sorry, Lee's Creek. <laughs> Beezer Creek out in Beezer. <laughs> you can edit edit that part out and I'll uh I'll say it again. I'll... Okay. I'm not gonna add that. Just say what? <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, I'll start that again. Okay. <laughs> Holy shit. Beezer Creek. So where was I? Beezer Creek. They were so they would drop us off at okay, least. Yeah, okay. Beezer yeah. Bridge. Beezer, <laughs> okay, right? okay, okay. I got it, I got it. So our, so our parents used to drop us off out in Beezer 
and we would fish Lee's Creek. Like we would be gone for like hours. I remember we would sometimes it'd be like dark till dark. We'd fish like 12 hours. Me, us and our buddies, we have these little spinners and we would just, yeah, there was so many trout then. And I don't know, it's things have changed. I don't know if it's been pressured or if it's been blown out with floods too many times that like changed the river plane. But that's essentially how I got into fishing is just on the, on the creek going through town there. And we used to catch so many fish. And then when you were in Montana, then that's when you bought a fly rod. Yeah. So then I, oh, so I know what I was going. So my buddy's dad, he had a fly rod. And I remember we were like, oh, we, we, they look so cool. Like we were kids. Like, let's try it out. So we, we got the fly rod and we like, so I don't even know. We saw all this stuff. We saw this line. We like put it together and it felt like it was like 16 feet long compared to like our spinner rods. And it just, it was so confusing. And like, anyway, so that was the first time I picked up a fly rod. So fast forward to when I'm in Montana, I'm like, I'm going to pick this up again. And I'm like, I'm just going to grab the bull by the horns. I'm like, we've got YouTube. I'm like, I'm going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So I just, I bought the combo kit. It was like a Cabela's combo kit for like a couple hundred bucks and i figured it out and i caught a few fish and the rest is history for sure yeah man it's so addicting once you get the first couple on there too like the oh yeah i was just like even the small ones like i remember i went out to a lake and i caught like this little stalker and i was just like yelling and like screaming and like this is so epic and i couldn't believe it like the first fish on a fly rod was was so epic no doubt. I, I feel the same way. Like, I feel like when I first caught, like, if even smaller fish, that's when I, like, first realized, like, okay, it's not about chasing the trophy fish all the time. Like, I, I kind of had this mentality fishing myself that I was always going for, like, a huge pike or, like, a ginormous walleye or something. And then when I got into fly fishing, it's like you want to get a huge rainbow, big brown trout or something like that. And then all of a sudden, it's like you just catch a few on the fly and you're like, okay. Any of them are great. Like, it's like, it doesn't need to be huge. Although the huge yeah, ones when they fight and they're jumping and stuff is unreal too. But yeah, it's for sure. There was this one day that, that I remember that was probably one of our greatest fly fishing days, but we had taken, so I had got my fly stuff and, and I was into fly fishing and, and I like to take my wife and she likes to come and do things with me. And so I'm like, well, let's get you a fly rod. So we got her a fly rod and, and her and I and Tanner went up in the mountains on a small Creek and, uh, we start we started fishing on this creek and i mean it's just a tiny creek so you're catching little six to eight inch brookies and rainbows on this creek so you're not catching anything huge but that was like where you fine-tuned your your fly fishing skills and so you know it was one of the first or second time that my wife had come out and she caught oh gosh like 40 we fish. caught we caught 200 yeah. trout that weekend yeah in two days 200 trout and what? i mean nothing bigger than you know eight or ten inches no. but yeah. it was it was just so epic because it was pure dry flies and no way. it was literally every cast that boom and then after that we're like okay well we gotta figure we gotta go get ourselves a three-way you know and then which then opens up the floodgates even more about how much money you're going to go spend on another three weights and this and that. Yeah. But what I ended up doing is actually, I've got four kids myself. I've got three boys and a, and, and a girl and my boys are getting to the age where they can, they can start to fly fish. And nice. so I went and I actually bought them um, TFO bug launchers. Yeah, man, that's a great setup. I've yeah, seen those. So yeah. we got those for the kids. And so I've got two TFO bug launchers for them and, 
and that's what they that's what they used and so i remember taking my kids out to a stock pond just to kind of help them you know let's get let's get going on your on your back casts and and you know let's see how everything we let's get you going and so yeah. finally my one boy he caught one and he was just it was like a maybe a 14 inch trout but anyone that fly fishes know that a 14 inch trout on a three weight is <laughs> feel like a hog so my kid was struggling so hard to get that fish in but he was just he was loving it he was screaming dad that is just so hard my arm you know like buddy you're okay just, just relax get him in so we got him in and he and he was you know he's hooked my kids they, they just absolutely love fishing tanner's kids you know they love fishing we're, we're lucky enough to live in an area that we can take our kids and they can see success when they fish and yeah. And I find that if we want to get our kids into fishing, then we need to ha- we need to show them success, what fishing looks like. Because I mean, being a teacher, um, and I was I should have got into that earlier, but being a teacher, I talk to these my students, and you know, some of them do fish, and some of them are just like, no way, like I hate fishing, I never catch a fish. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, you just got to get to the right spot, right? Like you, yeah. you would be. I don't know of anyone that would actually catch a fish and catch a fish on a fly rod. And they'd be like, ah, that sucked, you know? <laughs> and true. if they did do that, then I'd be like, okay, well, we're not friends ever. We can't even be in the same room if you're going to be like that. But, That's funny, but I mean, but, to yeah, add so to that, that, what's that? Sorry. Well, I was going to just say, just, if I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I was going to say, no. just to add to that, like, you know, you guys are like, you've done the, the hard work of like, okay, figuring out where the good spots are, figuring out how to cast, figuring out what flies they're eating at what time or whatever. And it's exactly like you say, it's like, I, I don't know, it, maybe it could go both ways where like, when it's like all of a sudden you cut out all of that hard work and like you've put them on a fish to like see if they enjoy it, you know what I mean? And it's like, it's awesome for them to have that success because the all the effort it takes and all the patience it takes and all the failure and the wind knots and you know, retying things and all the different knots and screwing it up and how frustrating it can be can like drive you away from it if you don't have success ever. And I remember like when I had gotten back into fishing in life, like even prior to fly fishing, I was like, you know, I went through like two summers of pretty much not catching anything. And I was like ready to hang it up. And then all of a sudden all these doors started opening and started figuring it out more. And now it's like frustrating if you go home like empty-handed ever right because you're so used to knowing where to go and what time to go and what to use but it's like when you take somebody new out whether it be your kids or anyone else it's like you're like fast tracking them right and it's like all of that stuff you figured out it's like okay you can like just put them there with the right thing at the right time and give them that opportunity is so cool but i feel like then sometimes when you look at like guides and stuff like that like if you were to guide and like you just put someone random on like a fish like that they might be like okay, that was fun. Like, see you later. Let's go do something else or whatever, you know? And it's like, no, you don't understand how hard it is to do that, to figure that out and do it, you know? There's a, I have a buddy in town. He's from England and yeah. he got into fly fishing like way before I, like before I even was down here. Like when I was in Edmonton, he got into fly fishing and he was wanting to go one day. And so I'm like, okay, let's go. So I like take him to my spots. There's like been two other people that have gone to this spot he's like i just want to catch one fish like he was just he was all humble about it and he's like i promise i won't take anyone and etc i'm like okay let's go it was also his accent too that got to yeah him. he has <laughs> he has this really good english accent so we, we go and and we're, we're we're on a brown trout uh river 
and I caught like a couple, I caught like a handful and he was getting frustrated. Like I was, I was catching like one, two, three, a couple of them were just small. A couple of them were decent. And he's like, he's just like, man, he's like, I just, I want one fish. I want one fish. And so all of a sudden I'm like, Kate, I, I put up my rod. I'm like, I'm done. I'm like, I'm just, I'm done fishing. I'm my goal is to get him a fish. I'm like, here we go. I'm like, I've got to get him a fish. So we went, we went to this pool and I'm like, I can tell, I'm like, there's gotta be a fish in here. And so I go, I go up on top of this cliff and I'm like, and I'm like, just put on something smaller. Cause I was using like leeches and streamers and I'm like, let's just try something smaller. So he put on like this little tiny San Juan worm, like a little red, red San Juan worm. Yeah. And he had like an indicator in it. And so I go up on this cliff and all of a sudden I see this like giant shadow and I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And I, the river's flowing and like, I can't hear, I we can't communicate like his freaking accent is thick at times. I like, can't tell what the hell he's saying. And so I'm trying <laughs> to, I'm like cast here. I'm like, I'm telling him to cast, like point up where to cast, trying to like predict where it would drift. Anyways, long story short, I see this thing. It was like slow motion. This freaking thing comes from the deeps and it smashes his San Juan. And I fortunately had on like heavy tippet. Yeah. Like, because I, I didn't want him to break off. So I, I think I put on like 12 floral because I'm like, you're not breaking off. I'm not yeah. going to put on like a 5 or 4X. So he just like, he literally, and then he kind of dragged this thing in. And anyways, I ran down and got pictures and he wanted to keep it so bad. But I'm like, you can't keep it on this river. So we took some pictures, let him go. And he has that picture framed in his house. And in the in the frame is embedded the San Juan worm. And he talked about it all like it was in fact it was one of the biggest fish that I've seen caught out of that river. One of the biggest brown mm-hmm. trout. Oh, he was like he was like 26 inches and I don't know, probably three pounds, three or four pounds, which is quite good for this river. Yeah. But he talks about it all the time. Like it just it was such a like huge thing for him to catch a fish like that. But it was it was fun. Like it was sometimes I think that would be fun to do, but then on other hands, I'm like, ah, I just want to fish. But, yeah. No, that's so cool. That's so cool to create that moment and like crazy that it was a crazy fish too. You know, it wasn't just small. Oh, it was it was an absolute hog. Like he was like he was like, dude, I don't care. Three inches, like whatever, man. And I yeah. and then he hooked into like this friggin' twenty-six inch brown trout. I know guys that have gone their whole life and not trying to get like a like a decent brown trout. Yeah. And they still haven't. No, that's me. Yeah. I haven't gotten a decent brown trout. All mine have They're, been they can be challenging. Mm-hmm. For the brown trout, you got to put the work in, though. Like, I spent, oh man, time after time because I told Tanner to one. I said, I've got it's, it's funny. Every year we have a different goal for each of us, right? Like, so last year, last year it wasn't different. Last year, both of us were just like, we need to get, we need to get good cutties. Like, we need some big West Slope cutthroat trout. Like, we need yeah. to get the biggest one. And so that's what we did, right? We went. We went and we targeted West Slope. The year before that, that's when I was like, I've got to get a good brown. Because Tanner's got a pretty good brown. Like, what was he, 25? He was 25. Was he 26? Yeah. And I haven't got a brown like that. So then I put the work in on that river. I, you know, I got the permission everywhere I needed to get. And I I was on that river a lot. And Mm -hmm. then finally I got like a nice 22, 23 inch, nice and fat brown. And then, but you know what? Like, you have to down on this river specifically those are big fish for oh, that yeah. river and you got to be putting that work in for those fish it's uh it's fun though 
because then as soon as you land that fish, it's, you know, you're, you've won. And that's, that's the big thing that I love about fly fishing is it's a, it's a chess match and I absolutely love playing chess. So it's, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, no doubt. That's awesome for sure. I think for myself, like the biggest was just, uh, was a rainbow that was like 27 inches and that's still a good size rainbow for around here, but that's an awesome fish. Yeah. Thanks man. Everything else has been pretty small. That was a pretty monumental one for me. Um, I don't know if you guys, if I, if you mind if I share that story, but I'd share it quick, but, um, yeah. it, it was a pretty tough time for me in life actually at that point. Um, it was the first father's day. So I have a son that's two years old and uh my son when my son was born about like four months after my son was born my father passed away and it was pretty rough and then like two Sorry months after that. that thanks man i appreciate it but yeah and two months after that was the first father's day that i had like both as a father myself and after losing my father and i was like you know what i need to go out and i need to go just fly fish first thing in the morning there's like I was going out with my father-in-law for a round of golf or something like that. We were going to be hanging out with family and stuff all afternoon. But uh, yeah, it was a pretty monumental kind of morning of just wanting to acknowledge, you know, being a father now myself and then the passing of mine. And yeah, kind of all the emotions through it. And uh, I was fishing a spot pretty close to town here. And um, yeah, it was insanely dry all morning. Absolutely like nothing. And I was pretty much ready to pack it up. Seemed like the heat was coming in. And then... I think it was like 10 in the morning or something. And I was fishing like a dry drop rig with uh, like a clink hammer as kind of like an indicator with a nymph on the other side of it. Great. Um, and then, yeah, this rainbow took the nymph and I just seen my clink hammer kind of disappear. And I was like, and so at this time I was, there's another guy kind of by me. There's, it's a pretty big dock that goes out into this river and is like where you can launch into it. And it was just funny because I was kind of fishing with this random guy all morning and we'd talk here and there and neither of us caught anything. And then I like that rainbow took and I started fighting him and I, neither of us really said anything. He didn't even really know I was on a fish yet. And then, uh, it came like jumping out of the water, like it breached and was fighting in the air. And, uh, he looks over at me and he's like, man, did you see that? And I was like, dude, I'm fighting that. And he's like, no way. <laughs> and like, so then I stand up and I'm like, holy shit. And that was like my first time, like really fighting a good fish on the fly yeah. for sure. And he, I think he breached like two or three times after, and it was just so wild. Oh but, man, I literally, the hair in my neck goes up because I can just feel it, the fishing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and it was just like, man, I remember like taking that fish out, taking a quick pick and throwing it back in and just like, same thing. Like I've got that one on my wall now, but that's just like, it's like, man, that morning had such an emotional like pull to it. But yeah. That's so awesome. I didn't know if I'd share that or not, but I appreciate just kind of sharing my own one in there. But no, that's honestly, man, that's why we do. That's why we fish. We just, it's our mental break. Like mm -hmm. It really is for the world. We live in a crazy world and there's lots of challenges. And I mean, we got kids, we got young kids and I mean, it's, yeah, it's just a good mental break. Yeah, no doubt. And honestly, like, like you guys are saying, and Jared, do you like to be able to get your kids out there and experience that is like, some of the most important things I think, cause yeah, it's too easy to get caught up in everything going on and not realize like everything that's going, like living simultaneously while we're going crazy in society 
there's this whole other world and ecosystem that's just like living side by side to us, like completely undisturbed. I mean, it's disturbed, not sure, but almost completely undisturbed by what we do in a day, you know, it's just really surreal. But Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a huge one that I definitely noticed for sure with fishing is it's my mental break. Dealing like teaching, teaching nowadays is uh careful what you say. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> teaching is, it's a, it's a difficult pr profession. Like it's, it's not easy. People will say it's easy, you know, but if, you know, I mean, one thing that I saw a lot was during COVID people were like, you know, Oh my gosh, I give it up for teachers. You know, they're, they're amazing. I could not teach my kid at home. My kid was a jerk. They were doing this, they were doing that. They would never get to work. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, well, welcome. Welcome to our lives, you know, but, <laughs> but I love it. I love it because when I go to work, a lot of times I don't feel like I'm working. I like to have the, you know, the rapport with the students. We joke around a lot. I like to be able to, to open their eyes to, you know, real world things. And so that's kind of the way that I teach, but I, but there's times where, you know, there's some pretty heavy things that you get when you're teaching. Um, from students, from families, from different things like that. There's heavy things that are that are on your mind, and you end up just caring about pretty well every student. And there yeah. was one time last year that I was just, I was, it was tough. It was really tough, and it'd been a, quite a bit. Tanner knows about it. I talk to him all the time. Well, I actually vent to him all the time. And then um, I just called my wife the one day. And I'm like, hey, like I have to go to the river. Like I have to. And mm. she's like, yeah, for sure, just just go. And then I got onto the river, and as soon as my first cast went into the into the river, like boom, I was I was back to normal again, you know. And so, so yeah. it's not just because we love fly fishing, but like it's those it's those mental breaks that that we all need, and that we all should take for sure. And so, uh, and I've had that conversation with Tanner. I've had that conversation with my wife multiple times. Like this isn't just. It's not just for us to, you know, escape our families or anything like that. Like it's, it's helping yeah. our mental health to be able to go back to our families. And be like, hey guys, let's go out now. Now we can go out instead. Because if I take my kids after a long day at school and I take them out fishing, and they have that wind knock, yeah, then <laughs> you'll probably find my kids having to swim home. You know, so like, especially with my my boys, they uh, they test my patience because I'm their safe place. But sometimes I tell them I'm not your safe place. You better watch out. <laughs> That's funny. But it's good. Yeah. It's awesome. It's fun to have kids. It's fun to have boys. It's fun to even my daughter. She's just like she's the youngest. She's a little spitfire. And uh I'm not worried about her at all. She will throw fists with the best of them, but she loves <laughs> fishing. She's always like, I want to cast. I want to cast. You know, she wants to try and cast it out. So um, and so what we'll do is a lot of times um I'll catch a fish and then I'll just let her reel it in, you know. And, and she just loves that. She's only five, so she's not quite able to throw out the spin cast and, and, yeah. and everything, but, but yeah. So, I mean, for those that do want to know, yes, we occasionally spin cast. We do make sure that our fly rods are put away. So our fly rods don't see that we're spin casting <laughs> no, that way. Like, I will say we are the only time that you will ever see a spin cast is for lake trout. When you got to go 40 plus feet deep. Yeah, pike, pike or walleye. You don't throw in uh, big streamers for pike or what? I've I've actually just started doing we, that this year. We've tried a little. That that's on the list. Jared pointed out that we have a target species or something. We want to kind of get a 
a trophy, if you will. That'll be down the road. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll we'll snag some good pike. We we've tried a little bit, but the problem is, is when sometimes when the pike fishing is good, where we could get into that forty inch class pike, the trout rivers are good. So we're like, forget it. I want to go catch yeah. trout. Yeah, that's fair. Right. We would we would definitely prefer the trout species over over the pike. Like um, that pike and walleye are filler. I mean, we don't need to be pompous southern alberta with rivers coming everywhere but we just got we got so much trout waters man it's just like yeah it just consumes us well and that's fair for myself it's like before i get to the trout waters like just east of the city and like to go to get to the other side of the city and go west of the city to where it all would be it's like i get i pass like a series of slough lakes full of pike and walleye so it's like tough because sometimes if i want to fly fish close to home there's like some all right stocked ponds that some are actually okay and then like that's if you just want to get out just to wet like the fly rod and have a short close excursion or it's like that's why i've kind of dove into a little bit of the pike on the fly stuff because it's just it's close to home and it's pretty fun to do for being close to home but i've only really had some dinks and i haven't had anything like trophy pike size really but it's still a fun interesting fight the other challenge that we kind of have is is a lot of the pike waters are like the reservoirs or dams. Mm-hmm. And so they're challenging. Like you're you're not gonna get a streamer deep. Like it's mm-hmm. you know what it's just the kind of logistic thing. Like yeah. you're not gonna get a streamer kind of in their zone. I mean, what to target them, we go like when the backwaters of these dams are full in the spring, and then the pike have come off their spawning on that march zone and they're kind of recovering and they're aggressive like that's kind of the best opportunity otherwise it's kind of hard to get a pike on these some of these lakes down here i mean jared's gone to that that same lake that i had that mouse jared was bored one day and went and caught a few pike i think also feel a little a little setback is we don't have the setups yet for the pike like we've talked a lot about that like we need to go get some seven weights right some seven weights and then look at some sinking lines, sinking tips. So those are things that we don't have quite setups for yet in order to actually be really targeting those fish. So right now, again, I'm fishing with my five weight. It's not fun sometimes. And so I don't want to, I don't want to hook into a 40 class and then break my five weight or I'll be chilling. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to fight that fish for that long either too. If they stay on, you know, then it's like, that's a long fight too for them. Exactly, and then I end up passing out because my arm is so sore. There's been multiple times that we're, you know, we're fighting a big trout on this lake, and we get seven minutes in, yelling like, at each other. I cannot, Tanner, you got to hold my rod. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't say that. That's bad. <laughs> but uh, so, well, yeah, it's a lot of different equipment for sure when you go to chase pike with. Yeah, the fly stuff. I don't know if you, I find even just casting like sinking line is, you know, that's when I'm like, okay, I'm going to get a hook in the eye. Like, I don't know. Casting a big streamer on sinking line to me just does not feel like the same fly cast. You get get one of those big seven, eight, whatever inch streamers. It's hard to cast those on a five weight. Well, that too, yeah. Because you're getting so much flex in the rod. You just need that stiffer rod to... So I don't yeah. know. We're we'll get there. Like we're we're hijacked 
by trout, honestly. And river trout. Like, we love – we'll do yeah. the lakes when there's, like, a lull because a lot of the rivers don't open up till June 16th. Yeah. So we'll hit some rivers between kind of here, BC, Montana, and once the rivers open, we're mostly on the rivers. We're actually going um, to the river tomorrow. I took tomorrow off. Nice. I don't blame you for sure for, uh, yeah, choosing the trout over the pike any day. That's like almost a no-brainer, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so when you guys mentioned that you were chasing um, some really nice cutties this year, like obviously with the name too, Cutthroat Cowboys, have you guys achieved that at all yet? Or you've just been like, have you got something you're really happy with, with the cutthroats? Size wise? Yeah. Yeah. Like size. I know they're kind of, it seems like, at least from my experience, they seem to all be a bit smaller anyway. Like it's hard to get into those bigger ones, the bigger jaw or whatever. I would say that, in, in my opinion, and Jared can agree, when you get most rivers in southern Alberta, um, if you get into that 16-inch fish, like, I, I consider that a good fish. And then when you get mm-hmm. to 20, that's a great fish. When you're 25 and greater, that's a fantastic fish. Yeah. So I would say most of our cutthroat trout that we're targeting is anywhere from that 16 to 22-inch. Yeah. So if you can get... If you can get that 23, 24 inch cutthroat, like that's a, that's a giant cutthroat on these rivers. If you're mm-hmm. getting like a 24 inch cut, cutthroat, like that's huge. And the colors are just freaking amazing. Like... They are amazing. The West Slope cutties. And that's, that's one of the things that we just absolutely love um, mm-hmm. with those cutties is when you pull them up and you see the colors of them, like there was mm-hmm. this one that Tanner got last year that, that it's, it's on our, it's on the page, but it was, it was one of my favorite colored fish that I have ever seen. He had like this, it's almost like an orange. Like he just, his color was so unique and he had a big old kite. That's another thing that we just absolutely love finding the males, catching those males with the nice kites. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's a lot of fun for us. But I mean, the, the, the way it kind of started was we started going up this, this river that's, um, that's out West and it doesn't hold huge cutties but it holds, it holds, you know, some cutthroats. And, and so we went up there and, and we fished a couple times, eh? Yeah. We fished, we fished this spot and this is where, um, do you want to tell them that story now? What? (laughs) Oh, geez. So we're fishing this river that had, had cutthroats in it. They weren't very big, but we're just like, we're, we're trying to find the one, right? That big one. Yeah. And so we're going downstream, we're exploring, it's a brand new river we've never been on, and we come to this, like, gigantic waterfall. Like, we're on the other side of the waterfall. Nice. As we're walking downstream, and my, I've had, I've ran these these Boa Sim boots for, like, I had them two years at that time. And we, we fish a lot, like, and, I, anyways, they were worn out, like, I had no grip on them. <laughs> So I'm sliding all over the place on a little bit of moss on the rocks. And Jared, Jared got these, well, he asked me, he's like, what boots should I get? And he's like, oh my God, I don't know. Those corkers look pretty nice. They got like those interchangeable soles where you can go from felt to like rubber yeah. to like rubber with studs to felt with studs. They're just, they're like a great boot. I'm like, I don't know. I more or less wanted him to like be the guinea pig and like <laughs> try him out. So anyways, he got him. And he's like just running across, he's like running everywhere. He's like running across the river. He's like scaling rocks. And next thing you know, he's up this waterfall 
cliff thing. And he's like, he's yelling at me. And I'm like, I'm catching these like fish on dry flies. Like it's like pretty good fishing. There's kind of these modest little fish. I'm like, oh, this is sick. We're in the mountains. And he's yelling at me. He's like, get your ass over here. And so I'm like, what? He's like, there is fish. There's fish everywhere. He's like, there's big bull trout. There's cutthroat. He's like, I've never seen this many fish. He's like, I guarantee you no one has fished here because it's so sketchy to get up here. Meanwhile, he's in these felt, these brand new felt corker. He's just like a mountain goat, like very grillless up there. And he's up. He's like, come on. I'm like, Jared, I'm like, I got no grip on my boots. He's like, come on. He's just like peer pressuring me. And I'm like, dude, I'm like 30 years old. I'm like, no, like, no, I'm not going to just fall into the river or fall and break a leg. Anyways, he just kept being persistent. And finally, I'm like, would you shut up? So I start up this, this cliff. It was like 20 feet. Like it is sketch. And I'm, I'm almost to the top. My, my arms at the top and I'm, I feeling myself sliding. My arms are sliding and all of a sudden, I can't even describe it to you. It was like, it actually gave me the chills just thinking about it. It was this moment where I'm like, I am effed. Like I'm <laughs> falling off this cliff. So oh I, I fall, I slip and fall. I lose all grip in every limb of my body. I've got no dexterity. I fall and I, I'm like, it felt like I fell like a hundred feet. Like I could just like count the time and i fall into this i feel my ankle crack and pop i I feel it snap and i'm like my rod bangs around my like my net slaps the rocks like just jarred and then jared peeks over he's like what what, what happened and i'm ready to snap i'm ready to kill him i'm like what do you mean just happened? i just fell off this fetching cliff he's like are you serious just like naive he's just like tunnel vision with these fish so anyways long story short i literally am like i i broke my tibula or my fibula like hairline fracture like i can't even move it it's called the tibia whatever i'm like i just snapped my leg and i can't we're in this ravine like this cliff thing and it's like anyway so i like it's like so rank to get out of here so he's like anyways so I just kind of sit there and he's like still fishing. I'm like, dude, I just busted my ankle. <laughs> so we, we wait, saw, wait, wait, wait. The, the best part was I didn't catch a single. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Up there. <laughs> yeah. So he, the whole time he was like, there's so many fish. He's like, these fish have never been caught. These are like, these are virgin fish. They've never seen a hook. Cause no one's ever been like, he's just saying all this stupid shit. <laughs> And then anyway, so I, I like let him fish as I'm in the recovery position and he doesn't even catch anything anyways. What's the worst part though? Tell him the worst part. So then the worst part of the whole thing is I had this woolly, like this leech box full of like balance. Like it, it was, there had to have been several years of accumulation of flies in that box. There had to have been north of $200 of flies in this box of like leeches and streamers. Yeah, I lost it. No. When I fell, because I partly fell in the water and partly fell on this rock. And so if someone's listening to this and they found <laughs> that, I will pay you for that back. You I was going to say. Like, did you... <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so then 
we get, I, I don't know, I somehow by some miracle got back to the car as I'm limping, thinking like my bone's sticking out of my leg, and we go to emerge, like Jared Wicked wheels me into the emergency room. He's on a wheelchair. I, I'm in a wheelchair, like I'm thinking like I'm done, and then they go in there and they do like an x-ray, and they're like, oh yeah, you just sprained it. <laughs> <laughs> so it was all dramatic, and they, I, it was it was sore though for a month, like it kept... I don't know if you've ever like popped your ankle out. Once you pop it and stretch mm. them ligaments, it like continues to do that for a while. Oof. I can so imagine. I had discussed that we were gonna, we were gonna, he was gonna save this story because it is a pretty good story about how I just was. I honest, it's a hundred percent my fault. Like it I, is. I pressured him so intensely that he he finally just succumbed, and and then he he paid for it, and it's fully my fault, and I take that. Full blame. I bought him dinner and stuff, so you know it's all paid for. But <laughs> I, I honestly, we were talking about this, and the other night, I well, probably about what, like two weeks ago, I had a dream that we were like fishing up, like way in the back country, <laughs> and then Tanner like got really hurt again, and this time it wasn't my fault. But so then I had to like literally try to carry him out, and I physically couldn't do it because I was so out of shape. That's all. I got up the next morning, and I have been running every morning since. <laughs> that's that's true love. That's. Just to, just to I don't sure. know whether to be like flattered or offended. <laughs> yeah. But hey, we're get, we're we're both getting in shape. We're so. both trying to get yeah, get in shape. We got the dad bods going, so yeah, we're trying to trying to make sure yeah, that yeah. Terry will be able to scale that cliff next year. So. I just need different boots. I need the spike ones with the. <laughs> just wear your baseball cleat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, honestly, man, man like it. I don't know. We always run it. For instance, Jared on his way here, he came to McGrath. He gets a, he gets a spe- he gets a pulled over by a cop. Like we have the most gone show. Every time we get together, it's like a flat tire or. Or something pulled over by a cop, or it's just a gone show. But it's it honestly, we live, we love it because we just we live on the edge, like, it, and then we just die laughing. Like the next, we're t- the next fishing trip. We're talking about the last fishing trip. Yeah, no, and that's so good, man. Because I feel like that's what I get just from like seeing your guys's content and then like talking to you too. And that's why I was looking forward to talking to you guys because I was like. It's just going to be funny. Like, I just knew, like, you guys, they're great stories, and it's crazy stuff that you guys are doing, and it's awesome stuff that you're doing. And, yeah, beautiful fish that you're catching, like, world-class. But it's just also hilarious to hear you guys banter about it because a lot of people are, like, especially when it comes to fly fishing, like, so eloquently spoken about what they're doing. It's such a poetic thing. Like, it's, like, you know, everything that they talk about when it comes to fly fishing is, like, poetry. not poetic. At all, <laughs> but it's great. It's it's refreshing. Yeah, there's no there's no such thing as like uh, that. For instance, there's you know there was one time that I felt really bad. I lost one of Tanner's fish. I had him in the net, and then I ended it up was in him. the net. The hook was out, and he slow motion in my mind. He literally just let the net go in into the water, and then it swam away. And I looked at him. I'm still mad. About it. I'm not gonna lie. I just completely lost focus. Um, you were just mad I caught a fish. I was a little bit pissed off that he had caught a fish, 
But then what made it worse is like I I just got up and walked away because I knew that I was in the wrong. It was fully my fault again. And so I'm like, okay, well, I just got to walk away so he doesn't yell at me. And then I throw, I go to cast and I snap my rod right, <laughs> right at the top. I had this orb of clear water and I just go to cast and it just snaps. And so like Tanner couldn't even be mad at me because then he felt bad that I, I just, actually you know what now that I just broke that. Now rod. that I think about it, I might have accidentally stepped on. <laughs> because <laughs> i went around but that's the thing though like that's kind of stuff that happens so no matter what we're, we've always got an extra rod so for the rest of that fishing day i ended up using one of the bug launchers i just threw my sams or my lamps and reel on it and then i just fished with that and it was actually so epic because when i caught that 16 inch cutty or a 17 inch cutty oh my gosh felt like a giant i felt like i had like a 28 inch trout on there it was so fun that's cool I can't remember the name of the TFO, the Temple Fork Rod. Oh, man, it's killing me. It's a famous dude that's signatured with them. Oh, the Lefty Cray. Thank you. Yeah, I have that, like the Lefty Cray kind of. That's what I got as like a combo for like my – it's like a, they do it in a 7-8 weight or whatever, like mm-hmm. an 8-9. It's like kind of a half. Do you, do you like that. that rod? The, the reel I absolutely love, and I mean it's – as much as everybody knows, like a fly reel is, it's very debatable. It can be there just to hold line and you can fight the fish with your line. Like you can hand fight it or you can let it pull drag and, you know, let it go to the reel and use the drag system. Um, but that's that like large Arbor. What is it? It's like a GK2. It's out in my truck. I don't have it by me right now, but I really like that reel. And I just got it for something for pike, right? Like I just wanted some combo for pike. So right. like for the heavier weight, um, the rod, because it's, it's hard to tell because I was just getting used to that bigger, heavier weight rod. So I feel like when you're like, you know, when you're getting a combo with anything, it's like one part's probably going to be good and one part's going to be subpar. Yeah, for sure. Like the line is just like garbage or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like in, in my opinion, it's like the reel's awesome and the rod's kind of subpar, but because it's also just a heavier weight that I wasn't used to. It's hard for me to tell because I was so used to like the finny, more finicky, like three weights or five weights and stuff where you can really feel like the action of the tip and everything. So it's like, yeah, it's kind of tough for me to totally vouch for it, but mm-hmm. I like it. Like I love it for what I use it for. And every now and then I'll like, I'll throw something else off with it or whatever, if that's what I have in the truck. But yeah, right. that real, especially I do really like, but I think yeah, it's a good a... one for combo. You can spend a, you you can spend thousands of dollars on fly fishing gear. Like there's yeah. Oh yeah. So we're both running the we're both running the TFO impact. Oh nice. We have, like we so Tanner got it first. And I got it during COVID. Yeah. And then he told me he told me about it. He's like, this rod is epic. And so after when I broke my Orbis Clearwater, which I liked that rod. It was a nice rod. Um, yeah. I started with the TFO Pro 2 model, which also is 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 a good rod, um, and I had that combo kit, but I could definitely tell, like, you know, with the reel and the line on that one, just kind of like you were just saying, right, that, you know, one is a little bit better than the other. Anyways, and so I moved to that Orvis Clearwater. My wife actually found it for me on a buy and sell, and she yeah. got that from an old guy that was just selling off his stuff, and he hadn't really used it. She got it for, like, 200 bucks, like an Orvis Clearwater, like, the whole kit, the whole yeah. system. And it was, I really liked it. Um, I thought it was, it was really sufficient for what I was using it for. 
and then I broke it. And so then that's when I got the impact and wow, what a, what a difference. So I, I absolutely love the impact. And then we were both kind of talking and we decided that we were going to get some different reels. And so then I got the lamps and guru um, cool. reel and it's, I can't rave enough about that reel. It's, it's got bar none. Like I, so this is actually funny. So remember, um, not to go down a COVID tangent or political. So remember yeah. when everyone got that, couple was it a couple hundred bucks from the government for getting their covid yeah. shot oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. we went up to uh what's that place called the fly shop yeah fish tails we went to fish tails and like just blew money on these like epic reels like just nice. upgraded so i got the sage trout classic and i love it what i really liked about it is it had a sealed drag so you can put that thing in mud and salt salt is water. that the that's that gold one that you're running? Yeah, yeah, you can get it in bronze. And honestly, if I didn't have a little bit of COVID money, I would probably not buy that rod. But I will say... That reel, yeah. I will... Or yeah, the reel, sorry. I will say, though, my raw, my reel was a couple hundred dollars more than the Lamson, and that Lamson has way better drag. Mm. Like, bar none better drag than that. Yeah, so when you say, you know, like you're talking about fighting the fish... I yeah. fully fight that fish on drag. So there was one time last year I went out by myself. Um, I was just like, you know, I'm, you know, kids are great. Everything's good. Wife was happy. Everything was awesome. Like I was going to go out for an hour or two just to the river. And so I ended up just catching whole, oh, like five or six nice browns. And I was fishing 4X. And then I threw on, I had something else on anyways, and throw, I throw in and I hook into this massive fish. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm literally by myself and I'm screaming like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, it is a world record brown because I, I would see its back come out, right? And I'm like, I've got the biggest fish ever. And so I'm freaking out that I've got this It was fish. like 30 inches. Oh, it, was, inches. it was 36 no inches is what it was. And so I'm fighting this fish thinking I've got the biggest brown trout. I think you called me ever. Mid, mid, <laughs> mid, screaming. Yeah, mid, like, come net it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I needed I needed someone else to net this fish. Anyways, I fought it for probably five to seven minutes, and then and I finally got it close, and it was a pike. And no my, way! Yeah, like my my excitement immediately just evaporated. Turned to angry. Like, kidding me? I just hooked into a pike. Anyways, but I fought that fish on four X. It was a thirty six inch pike. I fought him on four X for probably about ten minutes. And, like, I don't know how he didn't slice my line, anything like that, but I ended up getting him. He barely fit into my net. And, yeah. and but, again, I could not have caught that fish if I did not fight him on drag. Like, there was, yeah. there would just be no, you know, it would be next to impossible. That From the way that I kind of see that, is yeah. working with my drag and everything, that was just one of those times that as I've been working more with it, that I'm getting better and better at fighting the fish with the drag and, you know, letting that do, letting my reel do the work to, yeah. you know, tire them out to get them in and then, you know, quick photos and, and back into their, back into the river. So, but yeah, that one was a, that one was a crazy one. I remember talking to Tanner afterwards. I'm just like, buddy, I, I have no idea how I caught that fish, but like he was huge, but it was, it was a crazy one. That one was definitely a crazy pike. Cause that was the biggest pike that I, I caught so far. And then just this last year when we were ice fishing, I caught a 39. Didn't quite break the 40. But 
That's wild. Is that the does that go into the ice fishing story you wanted to share or was it um I don't know. So my mine isn't in ice fishing. It's uh oh, one of my favorite it. yeah, one of my favorite fishing stories was when I was oh. I was in high school and I had this little blue short box Chevy, you know, like every high school kid dreams of. Well, back in the day, you know, in the 90s or early 2000s when I was in high school that, um, you know, you just want a short back, short box Chevy. So I've got this nice blue Chevy and we drive it out. So we'd take it everywhere. I'd always make my buddy pay gas and we'd go and fishing just because, you know. They you had the just, nice truck. Yeah, I had the nice truck and they just drank the <laughs> gas. I had the big subwoofers in there and everything just pump and just being the pompous little teenager the chair carries off the mirror <laughs> <laughs> yeah the the dice right the, 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 they call them the sex dice but yeah. anyways um so we take that up and we park it at the end of this so we have to go down this road and it's like a little canal there's a little canal right beside the road and then there's just a steep like a steep bank on the other side that goes down to a farmer's field that's tucked back up in the mountains a little ways. Anyways, and so we go fishing there because we're we're thinking there's no one that's been here. You know, we got it. We're gonna fish this river. We're gonna catch so many trout. It's gonna be epic. Can I just cut you off? Yes, of course. That is the key thing with a crisis with you. <laughs> no one has been here. No yeah. one has fished this. Get up here right now on this cliff. <laughs> that's this is true. getting suspicious. Yes, Tanner knows. He understands. He yeah. understands that if it's if it's a key crisis, then he's just not going to respond, which then causes issues on my part if he's not coming to net my fish. But that's beside the point, which we can talk about a little bit later if we need to. But I'm sure you've seen the videos of it. Anyways, so <laughs> we're up on this. We're up on this. Um, we park, and there's a spill, little spillway right there. Anyways, we walk down, and we start fishing the river, me and this buddy. But when we park, I look across and like I know whose land we're on. I talk to them and and they're good about it, right? And so um, that's the one thing that we always make sure we do. Make sure you have permission so that you're not getting yourself in any trouble. You know, whatever it is, just make sure you have permission. And so I look across and on the other side of the riverbank, like this little peninsula, there's these two giant, like I'm talking giant garbage bags, like the biggest garbage bags you can find. And there's two garbage bags. I'm like, why would this family... Like, why would they leave their garbage right here? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Anyway, I didn't think much of it. Dumb little high school kid, right? And like you said, we're from a small town. So we don't really, we're in a way we're naive, right? Like that's just being from a small town, we're a little bit naive. So we fish this river, we go downstream, epic holes, and we're not catching a single fish. And I am livid, like, you know, just how can I not catch a fish? We in this get area? very angry. <laughs> yeah. When we don't catch, like it's an emotional oh, yeah. roller coaster when we don't catch a fish, whether it's half a day or a full day, we snap. Yeah, 100%. So I'm coming back up, we're coming back up the river and we start fishing upstream. And I come, I'm walking kind of closer to those garbage bags and I look at them and they kind of got this like round, like round edges. Like there's a ton of little baggies inside this, these garbage bags. And I look at it, I'm like, what? That's weird. Like that's, that's a little bit strange. Anyways, did again, didn't think much of it. So we go back to the spillway after we're all choked. We haven't caught any fish. And um, we're fishing just off the spillway because I could see some fish down in there. So I'm like, oh, let's see if we can get these fish. You know, <laughs> we're like, we're at utter, you know, we're just, we have to catch a fish. You know, it's, it's, it's a devastation if we go home skunk. There's, that just can't happen. But again, yeah. in high school. So we're trying to catch fish there. And then all of a sudden we hear a little something and we look up. And there's this chopper, 
like a helicopter that's flying towards us. And it's coming, like it come from over the mountains. And I mean, no joke, we're probably, I would say maybe three kilometers from the border, like from the state's border, right? And this chopper's coming towards us and I'm thinking, okay, that's weird. Anyways, so the chopper comes and all of a sudden they're, and they're flying quite low when they're coming towards us, but they haven't seen us yet. So all of a sudden we see them, they're low and they're following right along the river. And like, no joke, they're maybe six to 10 feet above the river and they're making these epic turns. And I'm thinking to myself, man, this pilot is legit. Like he is, <laughs> he has got it going on. And so they're flying and all of a sudden we see them that they see us and they like pull up and they come right over, fly over top of us. And they fly right behind my truck and they're looking at my license plate. And I'm thinking, okay, like we're, you know, we're not doing anything illegal. We, we know we're supposed to be here. You know, we're we not have permission. We have permission. We're not in trouble. Everything's good. Like we're great. My buddy that I'm with, it wasn't with Tanner, unfortunately, but my other buddy, he's, you know, he's a little bit freaking out. Like what the heck is going on? Why are these guys looking at us? You know, anyways. And so they, they take off and they start driving again or flying again, right along the river. And then all of a sudden we see them spot these bags and they land on that little peninsula and these two monstrous dudes get out and grab these bags. And like, they're struggling with these bags and they toss them in the chopper and they jump back in and they start flying away. And I'm like, I look at my buddy and then all of a sudden it all clicked. And I look at him like, buddy, do you know what that was? He's like, what? I said, that was a drug deal. He's like, what? I said, that was a drug deal. A hundred percent. Those guys just picked up drugs or money. And as soon as I said that, we look back at the chopper and all of a sudden the chopper's turning around to come back towards us. And I'm just like, run! So we just, we jump into my truck and we're flying down this road. Now remember, this road has like, it's tiny. It's tiny. There is canal on one side and then there is steep, steep bank on the other side. And I'm doing like a buck 40 in my little truck flying down this road because these choppers are coming for us. And we thought for sure, they were coming to shoot us to kill us. And so, oh. yeah, it was crazy. Anyways, we get back to town. And uh, I tell my neighbor, my neighbor was a teacher and he was like one of my favorite teachers. And so we tell him because he was legit. And, and then my, my, his neighbor, she actually worked at the cop station. And so a couple of days later, all of a sudden my phone rings at 8 a.m. in the morning. And like it's summer and I'm a high school kid and I wasn't working at the time. Yeah. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Anyways, and it's this guy, it's one of the RCMP, and he's like, hey, can you come down to the cop station? And I'm like, uh, okay, sure. So I go down to the cop station, and I walk in, and there's my buddy. And he's like, what is this about? What's going on? Like, he's freaking out. And I'm like, bud, we were fine. We, you know, we haven't done anything. You know, like, we were, we were good. We haven't done anything illegal, you know, maybe for speeding on that road. I don't know. Anyways, all of a sudden, they open the door, and this these two dudes in like these black suits, like they are just decked out and he, they separate us. And he's like, you come with me and you go with him. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like I am getting legit interrogated right now. And I don't know what for. No way. Yeah. Anyways. And so he says, so I get in there and he starts asking me questions all about it, all about like what we saw. And he says, what did you notice about the helicopter? Like what specific things? Did you see any numbers? Did you see this? Did you see that? And I'm like, Part of me was going to say, you know, just make up a wicked epic story. Like, yeah, this was the number and this is exactly what color was. And I know that this dude, I, I've seen him before. I don't know where, but I see, you know, I, don't say I've seen him before. <laughs> you idiot. So I was just thinking, you know, but then 
obviously my mom taught me good. She's like, no, tell the truth. So I said, you know what? I remember that this chopper, you know, it had, it had blue, it had wipes, you know, it had like one propeller on the back, you know, it wasn't huge. It was, you know, maybe a two, three person. I wish I could have been a spider on the wall. <laughs> Anyways, I'm pissing my pants the whole time. Cause like I'm a high school kid dealing with this like FBI type dude that is border patrol with drugs. Right. And, yeah. and so he goes on to tell me, he's like, yeah, they've actually started running drugs across the border. They'll float it down a river. One guy will drop him off and then I bet, and he just hikes back to the States or whatever. And so he's like, you guys are lucky. You, you're lucky that nothing else happened. And so we got out of there and I looked at my buddy and I'm like, can you believe that that, like that just happened? Like that is crazy. So what ended up happening was obviously as my neighbor told the cop that was the secretary, that she was the secretary and then the secretary told the cop station and then all of a sudden that's what happens in a small town. You yeah. cannot, you don't hide anything, right? Like, so that was, that was honestly one of my craziest stories. There's part of me that's like, man, Jared, you should have checked out. You should have gone and opened that bag and seen what was in there. Cause you know, either it was like millions and millions of dollars or it was some hardcore drugs. But yeah. again, if I had you done that, resold those drugs. <laughs> if I had done that, then I probably oh, can you imagine today. if they would have shot me and just dropped me down guys, the river. If those guys roll up in their unmarked chopper and there's freaking little tear marks in the bag, and then they see your little scabbies, <laughs> two little kids, you're dead. You're dead. You're done. Well, you're already, you're already driving away. Oh, man, it, honestly, man, it. living with our proximity to the Montana border, that stuff happens often. Like, you would be surprised. Like, there's been, there's been people in the area and – Oh yeah, so then I'll, there, people run drugs all the time. Yeah, that's. I, I mean, that's got to be scary though. Like you're already thinking like this thing's going to be like flying towards you, like shooting at you, wondering what the heck you're doing there. But yeah, that's just so crazy. I knew as soon as you were like talking about the bags, and then you mentioned this like dropper. I was like, is that a like police dropper at first? And then you're like, yeah, I'm Mark Chopper, and I'm like, man, that's such a sketchy like potentially oh. wrong place at the wrong time situation 100 it was yeah like we were just we i'm honestly i'm like that was definitely a near-death experience if we had to so, jump back in the truck then what potentially could have happened right like yeah. there's just so many things because again they're in an unmarked chopper they fly so low like they're flying they obviously, obviously, flying they obviously are undetected yeah and yeah. and then all of a sudden like these two kids they're just like well they're in high school they've lived a little bit of life pop pop you know, toss the <laughs> yeah. bodies and never to be seen again. My mom would be so sad. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> but the fish weren't acting erratic. Like the fish weren't all drugged out. Like you weren't fishing for some crazy like coked out trout or nothing. Well, they should have been. <laughs> they like my lures, right? Hey, by, yeah. by the way, on my uh, on my Amazon stick or whatever, the fire stick, cocaine bear keeps coming up. Is, is anyone watched that? <laughs> I actually have. might go watch that tonight. It's so random. Cocaine bear. I'm, it's a show. I've seen, I've seen it. It's, it. It's on my. I just made me think about it. Cocaine Bear. Well, as soon as he said, "Were the fish weird?" Well, yeah. It's the sequel is going to be coked out trout. Is what it's going to be. It's, oh, yeah. And it's going to be fish jumping out of the lake into can your you boat. Imagine, can you imagine if that happened now? Because the thing is, you guys were naive, and you're oh, just yeah. kind of like, "Let's get the hell out of here." But being now, like, grown up. I don't know what the hell you would have done. Well, the thing is, I, in my mind, if they if they're pulling up and they see us, they probably just turn around. 
right? Like, that's what I'd hope, at least. They don't just up and shoot us. But, I mean, you never know in this crazy world. <laughs> well, but just I feel know, like... if you're ever fishing and a chopper's flying low, just run, right? Just, just run. Let's, don't be digging viewers, through. Yeah, that's – for advice for from the Cutthroat Cowboys, low chopper equals run. Just do it. <laughs> that sounds like some movie – recommendations uh, some some advice from a movie yeah if That's you see right. a local chopper just take off but yeah. I mean, even then like i i have such a i suffer from such a well not suffer it's probably a good thing and same thing with the moment that raised me right but i suffer from a very guilty conscience like i could never do anything without like for the next week being like oh my god so like if you looked in that <laughs> bag you know like if you looked in that bag and you're like oh there's like 100k or something and you just like pocket like you know as much cash as you can and you jump in your truck and run away and then you see this helicopter like chasing you i wouldn't sleep straight for like months i'd be like i'm dead like they know me you know they got pictures 100 percent. and and yeah. you would just you know like we all watch enough they movies had, they had your license i plate. know that's why they flew behind and i knew that and i knew that that's and what so they were if doing. there was one benjamin franklin bill missing <laughs> <laughs> you're hunted down and 100 they would have found yeah, me they would have found yeah, me. if the conversion of loonies and toonies wasn't accurate holy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh that is so wild i can't believe that and especially in high school too that would just freak you right out for sure oh yeah it was it was just it was crazy and, it, and I, I went back there last year with my wife we went on a date fly fishing up there and i was just reminiscing like I told him, like, this is where the bags were, like, <laughs> you know, as we go through. And then I was all sketched out because that area just, I got some PTSD up there, man. Like, yeah. like oh, is that a bear? Like, there's a bear up here. You know, just, just freaking out all the time when I was up there just because it's, it was a wild, wild situation. Just completely. Oh. Yeah. It would but like, that was what I that. did. Like, I, I would go out. I had three older brothers. Well, I have three older brothers. And, and, you know, I would, I wanted to stay out of trouble. They kind of got into a little bit of trouble here and there, but I wanted to stay out of trouble. And I just like, again, guilty conscience with my mom. Like I wanted to make sure that I was just always at the best behavior for my mom. So did you tell your mom about that when you I, got home? I did. I told my mom. Yeah. Yeah. There was a few things I didn't tell. I was in Russia for a little bit. There's a few things I didn't tell her from Russia just because she doesn't need to know those things. But, <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, it was a wild, wild story, and I love having that story in my back pocket. My students, his love students those love stories. that. They love, they love that. stories. It's always like story time. Mr. Levitt. They shut the lights off. I got lots of scary stories and stuff too, and so it's, it's fun. So it's a lot of fun. I was, I was gonna ask you, and I was like, this took me probably way too long to ask you this, but like, what age group are you teaching? Like, what grade are you teaching primarily? So in, in this town, um, they the junior high and high school are together. And so there's in, okay. in our school, there's not like just a specific junior high or just a specific high school teacher. And yeah. so I've, I've, I've taught from seven to 12. So okay. Like, so each year, each year I change though. So this next year I have, I have a couple of grade seven classes and then grade eight classes and one grade nine class. And I do mostly math and then science here and there. And so, right. um, I just, you know, my mind is, my mind is a numbers mind. I like that, you know, that it's right or wrong, those types of things. And so I like, I like teaching the math. It's mm -hmm. fun. So. Well, that's cool for sure. I was just a little bit worried when you were like, 
oh, it's teacher, it's story time. And I'm like, it's like grade one, grade two. And you're like, yeah, for me, drug dealers in Southern Montana. And, and, then, they all just, and then we got a half mile down the road and they almost split her throat. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, great. Yeah, like, I'm Mr. telling you, man, the best movie Dumb ever, Dumb and Dumber, ever. Yeah. I love that show. You get that? You got to tell them that story. We actually, <laughs> what? It's oh, super. what? You gotta tell them the story of Dave now. Oh, so honestly, man, our life is a gone show. If you haven't got this, so we're in a good way, though. It's a good gone show. We find a way at all times to find an opportunity to quote Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, just we we love that show. So we're we're in we're going ice fishing. We're we're with our buddy Brad, who was actually the one with him in the the helicopter thing. Oh, the one that was tripping yeah, up. We, we, yeah, yeah, we all we all go. We go fishing and fly fish. Anyways, there's a big group of us that go. We, so we have this big ice fishing trip. So we're going ice fishing, and we always stop at McDonald's. Which, by the way, have you tried that epic chicken McGriddle, McGriddle? like the chicken no. breakfast sandwich? No. It blew my mind. It's like who would think a junior chicken for breakfast? But it's not a. It's not a junior chicken. <laughs> it's in between pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, sorry, I'm getting sidetracked. Sidetracked. No, I just. Yeah. I was talking to my brother. Yeah, we'll be ripping it. We'll be ripping in the Lethbridge and the McDonald's. So anyway, yeah, we go to make our breakfast run, and we order. And I'm gonna be careful how I say this. But just remember, when we do breakfast, like we're going to a lake that is like two and a half hours away, and so we're up at literally like two two thirty, and we're on the road at three o'clock, and so nice. we're stopping in at this McDonald's like twenty four a.m. twenty four hour one. Yeah. And anyways, <laughs> anyways, so we get there and, and the guy was like kind of struggling to like take our order. It's like 2 a.m., 2 or 3 a.m. And we're getting, we're getting, we're kind of getting frustrated. We're like, come on. Like he just like, he's like, well, what you want this? And anyways, we're getting quite frustrated. And then we show up. And it's like this older guy. And all of a sudden we, we feel terrible because we're like, right, there's people in this country that have to work till the day they die just because of the cost of living and whatever. So we feel terrible. It's this older gentleman. And then we're like, frick, and we're like, geez, we just feel like jerks now. And then guess what pops into my head? Seniors. So the window, <laughs> the window closes and Brad looks back. He looks back he's like, man, I feel like a dink. And all of a sudden, what the first thing out of my mouth, senior citizens, although slow and dangerous behind the wheel, can still serve a purpose. Like, I'm, I'm quoting Dumb and Dumber, and it's just like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> so we're just like, yeah. Oh, my God, that's hilarious. There's never a time, like, that we're together. If if one of us aren't crying laughing, then it hasn't been a it hasn't been a good trip. day. That's funny, man. That's good though, man. It's it's good because it's hard to find those guys you want to go out with and fish together all the time with, or hunt together with that don't drive you nuts or anything that you want to be laughing with the whole time. We had a, a we got a message the other day, and it was this single mom. Sorry, don't take that the wrong way. My wife's listening, <laughs> but it was the, it was like this mom Uh-oh. and whatever. I don't know what happened. Divorce, husband died. Anyways, whatever. She was a single parent, and she just said, "Hey, thanks so much, you guys, for making me laugh." And we're just nice. like, ah, whatever. Like, I just responded. I'm like, laughing's medicine or whatever. And and we're not like, we're not stand-up comedians. We're not professional anglers, man. We're just two guys. We work nine to five. We've got wives and kids. And we're just 
documenting it right and mm-hmm. to hear someone be like hey thank you for making me laugh like it's laughing's medicine man we live in a crazy world we can yeah. laugh it's medicine no it's truth but I, like, what we do like though is like that's like you were saying earlier right that that fly fishing is kind of like this you know a lot of fly fishermen are, are pristine and and you know i don't want to I don't want to use a negative word in any way because it's great for them, right? But it's like yeah. an Ivy League. It's like an Ivy League, yeah. like a rich Ivy like, League. Like they got the little their little wicker baskets. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, what that was with trail mix. Yeah, <laughs> like they got a little, little wicker baskets in their little like we're like we're not your cliche. Yeah, but that's the thing is we're we're completely different than your normal fly fisherman. You know, like and that's what we thoroughly enjoy. And that, and that a lot of people, and from what we've seen, a lot of people do also enjoy. And that's what's fun for us is because then they're like, these guys are absolutely ridiculous. But yet, yeah. on the other hand, dang, they catch some good fish. That's exactly what I find. Like, I find it's like, it's not just like you guys are ridiculous and like, it's just garbage. Like, you're putting a really great content with like, yeah, with some amazing fish and great cinematography and great releases and stuff. It's like, well, simultaneously being hilarious and i think kind of to touch on it too or to add to it is like i find a lot of people are that are making and i shouldn't say everyone there's not everyone's really like that but it it seemed like there was kind of this stint on youtube when you started to see like the guggen squad and like a lot of like other fishing related content and guys doing the like solo film like chest mounted camera stuff or whatever like they just all of a sudden became this kind of explosion of like people putting out fishing videos and it just seemed like everybody was trying to like be somebody like be like the most educated like this is what i'm doing this is what i'm throwing this is how i'm getting it done you know like follow me for more tips or my cooking or whatever and but it's like it's refreshing with you guys for sure because it's like there isn't this like this is how you do it this is how it needs to be done it's like you guys obviously know your stuff and stand behind it and they're willing to share it but it's like and you're not trying to be someone that you're not like you guys are totally yourselves within your content and I just love watching we're it. We're not trying reason. to be, we're not trying to be like ambassadors or aspire to be ambassadors or sponsored or yeah influencers. We're literally just documenting us fishing, man. And so it is. And we laugh and it's fun. And our wives think Holy. we're stupid. I don't know if we'll ever get around the wives think we're stupid things. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> <laughs> what? Oh man. So uh yeah, for you're still on the chase for bigger cutties and what else you guys got going on? You got uh you're saying you guys were both hunting quite a bit. Well, you've hunted quite a bit, like Jared, you've hunted and Tanner, you're saying you're bow hunting and stuff lately, but you guys have plans for hunting coming up in the fall at all, or are you still just trying to get into some of that pristine like fall fly fishing too? So I would I would say like we growing up in Southern Alberta, it's almost like you don't have a choice. Like you have to hunt at some point in your life. Like just we live in these small, you know, redneck, if you will, farm towns, farm kid towns. Everyone grows up. A lot of people, a high percentage of people grow up. Like we would skip out of high school and go shoot coyotes. Like it's just, or go ride dirt bikes. Like it's just, it's just the community that we live in all these surrounding towns. Yeah, And so we, we grew up hunting 
And then I would say, which actually has been a common, I've listened to a few of the podcasts, which has been a common theme is you kind of fall away from it because of sports. So yeah. I, like I got my first bow. I remember I got it from wholesale sports. It was a Browning. It was like a mossy oak pattern. It was like so legit. I got it for Christmas one year. I was so jacked. Um, rest in peace, wholesale sports. I really wish we would get a Cabela's or something left. But yeah. anyways, and, yeah, like I bagged a couple does, like I never really got any like crazy bucks. And then I got involved in sports and then I went into college and got busy and you have no money. And I've been back in McGrath four years and I got my first year. I've got kind of back into it. I borrowed my brother's bow. He got like this epic Matthews bow at a garage sale in Montana for like 200 bucks. Wow. Some guy won it at a raffle and he didn't know what he had. He's like, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks. So anyways, my brother got this epic bow and he was in university. So I used it and I shot, this was in, this in 2019. I, anyways, I shot my first whitetail with my brother's bow and I was like, holy crap. Like that was, it was the most euphoric thing ever. Like it is, Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get Jared into it and he will, it's a matter of time, he will. But it yeah. was unbelievable. It was just like all the practice and building arrows and all the leg work. And I ran cameras and um, yeah, it was awesome. And then I was just hooked. So it's just, it's a battle, not a battle, but it's like a balance. Like I, I really, I love bow hunting, but then I love fly fishing. So yeah. come September, I usually take off and go bow hunting and, mm -hmm. and I don't know. We, like we still go out fall fly fishing. Like there's some great fall fly fishing, but I, I kind of, I've walked away. Like I haven't shot a rifle in like, I, I mean, I shot a bear this spring with a rifle, but prior to that, I haven't shot an animal with a rifle in a few years. Like I really try to get it with my bow. Like at all costs. Yeah. it's just, it's almost like you put so much time in the fly fishing and the flies and this and the presentations. And then it's like, and then you just go use a spinner rod and just, I don't know. Not to be something like a prestigious. Yeah, you sound like a dick. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like it's so much work in the bow hunting, and it's like I don't know. It's, I, it's no sad. Like I shot a bear. I really wanted to get one with my bow, and I tried. I was in BC, and I ran. Anyways, I ran out of time, and and I ended up using a a rifle, and it's sick. Like I'm happy. It was fun. The trip was awesome. We had like stupid stories as per always, but. Driving home, I was like, "Man, I'm like, I really need to get a bear with a bow with my or a bear with my bow now." Yeah, yeah, it's just something Jared, about. He shot a, Jared shot a. He shot an epic moose. He got a little frustrated. I mean, he can talk on his. He got a little frustrated. Said Alberta, it's like the bald ass prairie. At yeah. least you know, in the proximity of the mountains, and it, it's hard to hunt whitetails around here. They just they don't get past. 100 inches on the prairie in some cases they just get every three point gets blasted and yeah but he got he kind of stepped away and got frustrated and yeah so for i i haven't shot a monster whitetail i my very first year out for whitetail i was up and one of my good buddies that lives out towards mountain view at his land is where i was on shoot, where i shot that big coyote because he yeah. and i went for coyotes as well and that's kind of how um, I got more into coyotes was his grandpa was his grandpa's like a hardcore he's got trap lines and everything and and I you know and that's, so that's kind of where I 
I would go hunting up on his pieces because he's got some nice whitetail pieces up there. And so my first year up hunting whitetail, there was a nice, probably a one, and again, in this area, a nice 135, maybe 140, maybe could have been 150 buck. And I got epic buck fever, like so bad. <laughs> and I think I was maybe, I think I was 14. I think it was my first year. I had my dad's big old 30 odd six, you know, like I hadn't shot at the time. So there's just multiple things. And anyway, so I missed him. And then um, a few years later, we were hunting again that spot. And Buddy was pushing brush, and I shot a nice white tail right there. And so he went, I hit him, he took off into the trees, and we went and tracked him. And there was some good, you know, there was some good sign that he was going to be down, but we never ended up finding him. And then a couple of days later, we went back out to that same spot and we're, you know, okay, you guys go push the brush, doing the same type of thing, see what we can find. And they come out and they're walking kind of down this big cut line. And we're walking towards them on this cut line. All of a sudden, this monster black bear comes out. And there was a barbed wire fence on the one side that the black bear was coming out of. Anyways, and so this black bear was coming for my one buddy. He was checking to see if that blood trail was kind of still there. And that black bear came out from the trees and just barely missed whacking his head. And it Ooh. happened so fast. That bear ended up breaking like three or four fence posts as it rolled down the fence and then took off back into the trees. Anyway, so we're running down towards them. The two guys are running towards us. The one guy that actually had his gun loaded was just hauling ass away from the bear with my gun. And I'm like, shoot it, shoot it. <laughs> kind of like, you know, and on the, on the, what's that? Oh, man, I can't think of that movie now. The one with the lions over in Africa with the killer lions. What's that called? Night of the Dark. Or the yeah, Ghost of the Darkness. Ghost of the Darkness. Yeah, just like that. It was just like I'm that like, when have you seen that movie? No, I haven't. Oh. oh, we watched it in like elementary school, didn't we? I don't know if it was elementary. That's pretty sad. Or maybe, or maybe it was <laughs> for elementary school. I don't. It what? It's like an old movie in Africa. It's like it's based on a true story. Val Kilmer. These yeah, two lions crazy. were like plotting, killing people at this. Were they as a village or camp? Yeah, it's unbelievable. Crazy. It's kind of like corny because it's old, but it's like oh, I don't know. That's a pretty epic one. I'm gonna watch that in cocaine. I quote that one quite right often. I quote that one quite often. Anyway, so we get down there, <clears throat> and we're just on the other side of the cut line. We can hear that bear, big old black bear, had a white patch on his on his chest. Anyways, little white circles around his eye on the one eye. Was it a raccoon? No, it wasn't a raccoon. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we ended up. <laughs> You're telling this epic story. It's a little <laughs> raccoon. We ended up talking to some of the like the um, people that owned other land up there, and they're like, yeah, that guy's been around for quite a few years. So like, they recognize that big black bear. But anyway, so my thought was that he had he had probably found my deer and was just eating on my deer, which is why he kind of came out after those guys. Yeah, but, like you were like, on top of the food or something like that, or you're yeah. coming back with his food. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so. So that was kind of like my last little bit of, not because of the bear, but just because, um, you know, I ended up getting out of high school and starting to do other things, just kind of like Tanner was saying. Um, and I haven't really gone back up with him and he's not really hunting too, too much anymore. And that's another thing that's hard around here is you got to get permission, right? Permission for yeah. these, these different properties that have the good white tails on. And, mm -hmm. and so I actually moved more to just strictly coyotes and and that's and i and so then i got into finishing the fur right and selling the fur and and 
and that's what I really, really enjoy. And so I don't know if you saw those videos that are on, on the, on the Insta of, of me quickly fleshing that just a time lapse of fleshing that coyote, but that's, yeah. I really enjoy that. I specifically built a shed in my backyard for coyotes and then COVID hit and prices of coyotes dropped out of the. Well, not only, not only and, that, it's the, the comp, what's that company? Canadian goose. Yeah, so Canada Goose also getting rid of the... They were one of the biggest fur buyers, yeah. and they, they used synthetic because they got too much pushback. So it just killed the... The yeah. thing is, though, I mean, I'm sure most people are are hunters that listen to your podcast and the wildlife, <laughs> but people that don't, like, they don't realize, like, oh, you're just shooting coyotes and you just leave the meat or whatever. Like, they get, they get out of control, and then they get mange, and I don't know. And then they're, like, they pick off cattle they pick off small dogs like oh yeah it, it can be detrimental but well, I mean, you see it in the cities right that could be a whole like you see it in the cities you see these coyotes that are always you know like i see all these reports of coyotes in edmonton and, and i know a guy that traps up there and he like traps just along the outskirts of edmonton and gets like a thousand coyotes a year trapping them right and well so, yeah go ahead oh it's, it's just crazy here because like and i don't want to throw the uh maybe the conservation control thing that they have here under the bus at all. But like, there's like a coyote hotline that like you can call in Edmonton. And, and it's like, it's like, so think of like the suburban folks that are like, there's this, like, this coyote. And like, I see them all the time in the city, like driving around for work and stuff and like driving and they drive like you, you can literally drive around the Henday and see like moose in like some of the trees in the ditch and like you can see and it's like if you're not looking you'll never notice but like people run into moose on the handy and like unfortunately have passed away quite a like quite a bit from that and they'll you'll look around the sides there's coyotes running along the side of the highway all over the place but uh there's this little hotline that like say you're like a suburban and you're like oh there's a coyote near my backyard and i've got my little like pomeranian shih tzu or something in the backyard and I'm worried about it. So you like, you call in and they're like, yeah, like you actually don't need to shoot coyotes at all. Like, it's okay. They're living in the same habitat. Like that's totally normal that they're no. here, or whatever, you know? And it's like, okay. Like it's like a, not even really a hotline. It's just like this message board you can get. And they just kind of like console you to be like, it's all right. You saw a coyote, you know, <laughs> it's, I don't know. It sounds goofy, but I remember cause when I was looking at like trying to figure out, I was looking at a couple properties of like crown land, just pretty close to the city. And I want to make sure I was like within all my legalities of like going there to go coyote hunting there. And I remember trying to get some information and all the information I could get was like, it's okay. Like they're cool. You don't need to shoot them. And I'm like, no, like <laughs> I want to get out of the bow zone and shoot them. Cause in the bow zone, they're like a freaking mess. Like they're all over the place. So, and if same thing, like if they come by me with a bow, like, in my tree stand in the bow zone like 100 percent, i'll take a shot at it you know well like, for sure, sure they yeah. jump this they jump the string like a like a mofo oh, though they're so they're hard, so hard. yeah but. but yeah so that's kind of where i moved more into was more coyotes and the reason being is just again this might sound like oh you're you're kind of a wuss or whatever but it's just more successful right like I would see, I mean, every time I go out, I see coyotes and I'm able to call coyotes in. And so, and then it's also, again, it just becomes that chess game, right? Where I've learned so much and found out so much about what calls to use, when to use those calls that, you know, I'm able to get these coyotes coming in closer. And, and then it also, you know, then I'm having to sh 
I'll even challenge myself. Okay, well, I got to shoot this coyote out at 400, 450 yards and, you know, let's make it even further. So those types of shots just to make it a little bit harder and, and more fun. And it's, and that's what I, I really, really enjoy that. Now, obviously mm -hmm. a couple of years ago, I shot a nice moose. Um, and when I had my draw, I got a nice moose. I put a lot of work into that and, and was able to get him and he's, you know, he's, he's in my house and. You have, I mean, a, you have a thousand hats. Oh my gosh! Hanging off of it, I'm, you can't even see the moose. I know it drives me like, Get those hats off! I've done it many times, <laughs> many times. I'm not even going to get into it because I don't know who's going to listen to the podcast. So we're not even going to get into it. <laughs> not throwing names out there. Nothing. Not blaming anyone. Don't worry about it. So we're good. I'm going to buy you a. Going to buy me a hat, hat rack. rack. Hat rack. <laughs> <laughs> what do you call it? Yeah, a hat rack. <laughs> oh man. So was that in uh, like Southern Alberta too then, or was that? Yeah, that was actually up towards uh, um, just more out like towards Pincher Creek area that way. Yeah. So yeah, we, that was, that was down here. Moose here is like you guys and trout up there. Yeah. Like it is a, is it, is it anywhere from like a, what, a 14 to 18 year draw? Yeah. So I got a mine moose? at 14 years. Whereas you guys oh. literally see them on the Henday. Well, yeah, like for me, it's a, well, and I mean, archery is one thing. Like it's a general tag in archery and most zones pretty close as like a five-year, like three to a five-year. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, my dad got his moose a couple of years before I did. And he was able to shoot, you know, a decent one for this area. Um, and then, and that was my, that was my one time that I was, I could have shot a wolf. But it was either my dad shoot his moose that he'd been waiting for, for, I think he was at 15, for 15 years, or I shoot a wolf, and then he doesn't. So I let him have have that one. Yeah. And then he almost had a heart attack getting that moose out, because they're so ginormous. But yeah. that's beside the point. But anyways, yeah, down here, it's just, it's so long. So I got mine at 14, and my brother got his at 17, but he had been putting in for a different area, and that different area just produces bigger moose. But again... You have to wait a little bit longer. So when I told them, I said, I've been seeing tons of moose in this area, just switch over your WMU. And, and so that year we actually both were able to bag a moose, which was, which was sweet. That's really cool. I mean, See, I, I, I should have. I don't have patience for that. So I've been putting draws in up north because I'm like, I can get it in like three to five years. Yeah. That's yeah. That's well, and like, I mean, the bozone moose, like the, when you said the same thing with like the whitetail there with like, yeah, if it's passing a hundred inches, it's getting shot. Like this, the moose are kind of like that here, at least from what I've seen. When like in the general bow zone tag, it's like if it's a if it's a bull, like yeah, it's a bull, like it's dead. Yeah, I would. Do, I don't blame. I would do it all day. Like I, I really like. Oh, it's sick! I, I love an elk meat, man. Like it's awesome. It tastes amazing. I just love calling for them. I love just like, cause you don't really need a call. Like you can just straight up, you know, give cow calls. Like it's not too bad to just through your hands, give cow calls. And I like got, when I you... actually hunted the bozone last Thanksgiving with a buddy. Oh, nice. In Edmonton. Yeah. We, it was, it was just bad luck. Like we were in there. His, uh, his uncle had like an orchard, like an apple orchard thing. And he, he, uh, he uh, was a landscaper. He's like, yeah, yeah. he's literally telling me, he's like, yeah, there's the buddy I'm with. There's like, oh, usually moose, right? In this area, 
boom, one bus out as we're walking down this stupid goat trail. And so then we started calling and I don't know, I'm not, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I'm like trying to do all these calls and he hung up at 100, 150, <laughs> he hung up at 150 yards and he wanted to come in so badly. Yeah. Part of me kind of wishes I would have just launched an arrow because they're so big, but oh. I shouldn't even say that. There'll be someone be like, oh, you're unethical. But, yeah. No, but it's one of those things. They're so big, but they're so thick too. You launch an arrow at that far sometimes, it's like it'll just bounce off the damn thing. I shouldn't say that either, but yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> they're, it takes a lot, man. Like they will bleed and keep going. Like they, it, it, unless you're double lunging them and like getting some heart, like I've seen them just, yeah, go and go, like go miles until they shoot out. Didn't you shoot yours nine times or something? I had to shoot mine a lot. He was just, he could, he wouldn't go down. And I I hit him good. Like my first shot, I was 80 yards and I I hit him right where I should have hit him. And he was not, he wasn't having anything of it. You know, like he, I'm like, did I, did I hit him? (laughs) You know, like just starting to double guess myself. And, but yeah, he, we finally, we got him down and, and it was awesome. It was super awesome. That has by far been my, my most favorite hunt was was that moose. There was an even bigger one that I was I was like, oh my gosh, here we're gonna get this guy. This is epic, and mm-hmm. I was all set up ready to shoot him. And he, uh, I because I could see the one side of him was the big big old paddle on the one side, and yeah. so getting ready, and he turned his head, and his other side was busted off. <laughs> and I was like, oh. I would have been, can you imagine if you drilled? Oh him? my gosh, if I shot him, and you could have got a synthetic one made. Oh. Or just put a bunch of hats yeah. to cover it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there was there was one that was up there in that area that was supposedly a seventy inch bull, and I saw him once for probably three seconds, and then we were never able to see him again. And he was yeah. on one side hill, and he just disappeared into the thick brush, and we we never saw him again. But that area, that WMU, they gave out the next year. They gave out way more tags. And now there's nowhere near the size of moose that there were that, that yeah. year that I was there. So that's tough for sure. Yeah, it is. It's uh, interesting. Sometimes I wonder about the decisions that some people make. Yeah. Well, we could we could go two hours about the management of oh the fish management, fishing and yeah. don't even get us don't even get it to go down there fishing and hunting for that matter. Yeah. Yeah, it's similar to spots around here too for sure. Oh man, but honestly, man, like to both you guys, Jared and Tanner, like I appreciate you guys uh, sharing all the stories and everything, and yeah, just learning me on all the fly fishing stuff you guys do. It's been hilarious talking to you guys. Like I honestly, I'm like I've got like ten other questions we could go off about. Like I'm probably going to be messaging you, asking you about like little gear things that I use, and see if you guys use them and what your opinions are and stuff. Like yeah, I feel like I could just keep picking your guys' brains for hours here. Yeah, we're like I said, we're not professionals. We just we catch fish, and sometimes Swear it works. So, yeah, <laughs> sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And, and when well, it's we appreciate doesn't... you like having us on. It's uh, you know, I was I was playing some baseball and telling these guys, some of the guys I was with, that I'm going to go on a podcast, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, like you're kind of a big deal," you know? And I'm like, "No, no, <laughs> we're not. We're not a big deal." But it's like it was fun, and and. 
we really enjoyed it. So we, we really appreciate it. And, and thank we'll you have a lot of people. Us. We'll have a lot of family and friends that'll listen. I'll be like, you guys are idiots. Like they'll just, they'll just reiterate. <laughs> My mom yeah, will get all mad at me that I said dick. So. <laughs> hey, I really but also appreciate that you admitted to being a good boy and learned was learned well and raised well. You know, I, I hope she gets that part out of it, right? Yeah, that, that's yeah. For. I really hope you like listen to this thing back and like maybe if there's something we said, we could lose our jobs. Just pull <laughs> just, that out. Just edit that. <laughs> I think we're okay. I think the the age group is okay that you teach with the jokes about the cocaine bear and stuff i think we're okay <laughs> i think other than that i think yeah everything I will, is really cool. i will be watching that and reporting on that by the way <laughs> actually yeah send us a message i don't know if we can get like a group that it'll be the like, next year Tanner's gonna report on cocaine bear let <laughs> the followers know how it went yeah, actually, yeah. I don't know if we can get a group chat going with like the three of us. I don't know if you have Instagram, Tanner. I don't know, like, or Tanner, sorry, Jared, because I know I've been dealing more with Tanner through the cutthroat account or anything. But yeah, it'd be awesome to just be able to. Yeah, Jared's yeah, got a. Yeah, I've Jared's got a personal thing. Okay, well, let's. We could make one with all of us because I, like I said, I got questions for both you guys still just about gear and stuff. And honestly, I'd, you know, in the future, like maybe post fall, if you guys get into. Like Tanner, if you get into a, any good archery hunting, or you know, if you guys get into any good cutties or anything crazy in the fall for fall fly fishing or something, it'd be awesome to talk to you guys after again and have you on again. It was honestly really, really awesome. No, for sure. Honestly, I'm telling you, man, you never know what it is, never a dull moment. It's just like we can't even, we could talk for five hours of this stuff that happens. Like, just yeah, it never ends. It well, as, literally never ends. Flat tires, saying, yeah, pulled over by cops. As we're saying something, then another story pops into my head. Like, oh, I could, I could just tell this story right now. And so that's happened many times. Where I'm like, no, just stop talking. You've talked a lot. Let Tanner say a few words. Talk about cocaine bear, and we're good. <laughs> no, it's all good, man. Yeah, anytime. Hit us up, and Trevor in Southern Alberta will, will blindfold you and spin you, <laughs> spin you around a couple times, and thank you, fishing. Take you to a stock pond. <laughs> that's awesome i appreciate the invite and uh same thing if you're uh, ever hunting in the bow zone again by edmonton i will likewise blindfold you yeah. spin you around and then put you on a oh we don't have greyhound buses back to south southern Alberta. <laughs> for sure, man. no for Thanks sure so definitely let, let me know for sure you know, well, oh, you guys uh, yeah. just uh hope you have a good night now that it's super late and then you're gonna have to get up early in the morning but hopefully the kid sleeps through the night yeah, you guys too, and enjoy fishing tomorrow with your day off there and everything. Yeah. This will be good. I'm sure if we'll – I shouldn't have even said that because now if we don't post anything, it, <laughs> yeah, people knows. are know we didn't catch shit. You guys suck. <laughs> yeah, you're just sitting at home raging about being skunked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, you guys take care. Eh? Have a great night, and thank you again. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. We'll talk to you again. Thanks, man. Bye. Bye.